uh, I mean, not trying to be racist, but you know, you got the regular American bread boy trucker standing there right next to the guy that come from, you know, India or something and, you know, come over here and, I mean, smiling and standing together and fighting together. And, and I'll be honest with you, Todd, even if, even if we don't get anything accomplished, that was probably to this day the biggest thing on my mind that you just, you can't, you can't, there's not words to describe the effect that was. I mean, that was just, it was, it was simply amazing. I, 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 you might have words for it. I don't have words for it. But to see that, the way that took place and the way it went together and learning from each other and, you know, uh, we broke, a, we broke some stereotypes down there. And that was, that was amazing. This is Overdrive Radio. I'm Todd Dills, and just whom you were hearing there in that introduction is Ohio-based Scott Reed. He's been up to quite a lot this past summer, and into the fall, around plans toward the ELD mandate protests that happened early in the month in D.C. and around the country. Regular readers know I went on a two-day run with Reed in April in Ohio. A run of four loads that put in the foreground the bind the hours of service rule and put on driver's decision-making, the things that go on around detention at docks, and so much more. A little more of Reed, what Reed's been up to. He and his wife had their son a very short time ago. Lucas Jackson Reed. Hang on. Well, you're slobbering everywhere. Proud father delves into that and more in the conversation that follows, recorded last week and centered around his thoughts about what will ultimately emerge from the protest actions over the ELD mandate. After Reed follows narration from Pennsylvania-based Mike Landis of his participation in the protests. Well, I know that when we were down there between the Rayburn, Longworth, and Cannon House, where all the representatives are, we had every single office down there twice. Uh, We went down there once with a packet of information that I put together with court cases and OIDA and facts that came out of the Federal Register. Um, talking about the Fourth Amendment, and electronic surveillance, and Fifth Amendment, and we got that out to them once, and then turned around a couple of days later and took a shorter, more colorful uh, flyer with pictures, so to speak. And we took that and we passed that around to every single office down there. Um, between myself. I can't really speak on how many guys that I've visited with down there personally. Uh, it's got to be in, I'm going to say, maybe 50 or 60 Okay. on my end. Uh, I guess if I sat down, I got, I got a card for every person that I spoke to in office down there. I guess I could sit down and go through the cards there and that give me a more accurate count. But yeah, and then, you know, other folks had meetings down there too, and I corresponded with a lot of them. I mean, we had people from Ohio and Missouri and Illinois and Indiana and Kansas and Arkansas and Florida that were all 
had meetings set up with their representatives and I, you know, coordinated with a lot of them and gave them the information ahead of time so that, you know, they could get the um, information in their head a little bit. And, you know, I told them, you know, just let them know how it relates to you and, and be honest with them. And, you know, pick two or three facts out of here that you, you believe are the two or three most important facts out of this whole entire seven page deal that you're going to give them and kind of focus on that and build around it. So uh, we hit a lot of representatives. Um, I ended up outside of business, uh, happened to run into uh, Congressman Bill, I think it's Kraskel Jr. He's out of the ninth district in New Jersey. Um, he voted against us on the one-year delay, but he was <laughs> without a. Uh, I didn't go to him about my deal as much as that he went to me, and then he showed a great deal of interest in what I was talking about. Uh, and Scott Jordan and I was both there at the same time talking to him uh, with Tom Selhurst, and. He was very interested in what it was that we were saying and informed us that the union people don't even want these ELDs. And the he was very intrigued by the fact of that the courts have upheld the electronic surveillance through every court case until OIDA tried to get it to be heard in the Supreme Court and they wouldn't listen to it then. Uh, he he kind of had an issue with that. so. Um, does that mean we turned him from a nay to a yay? I don't know, but the man showed a great deal of interest to what we was talking about. I mean, he was asking questions and the whole nine yards. Um, so yeah, I, we, we met with a lot of representatives down there. I mean, both in the house and the Senate, uh, okay. that's, we've got, and then I think if we can get Babin's bill from the house to the Senate. I think we've got some pretty good support from some pretty key figures in the Senate to get it through. Yeah, and there were, like there were, and I know you're coordinating with a lot of folks, but then there were, I know a lot of people there that uh, that I'm sure you weren't coordinating with that that uh, were were doing much the same. Um, oh, I'm sure. Yeah, there were, I know at least on the. The, the last day I was there, which was Wednesday, and I think Thursday too, there were big and seemed like a big influx of uh, folks from the Indian American community, uh, Sikhs from uh, New York, New Jersey, and Virginia, and all the states in between that uh, that came in. That seemed Indiana, Wyoming. Yeah, that seemed particularly organized, and um, and and I know did spend a good bit of time uh, with representatives there. Well, you had asked part in that first question, you know, what I've got accomplished and things like that. Yeah. Did we get a stop to the ELD mandate? No, we didn't. Did we get an FMCSA meeting with all the head honchos? Yes, we did. And honestly, uh, we thought getting Trump's attention would be a lot easier than that. But uh, apparently we got Secretary Chow's attention, which kind of led to that yep. meeting happening. Uh, yes, it did. So, uh, I mean, that was, and that was a good meeting. I mean, we had a, uh, it was very professional. Uh, they were very professional to us. They were very receptive. 
surprisingly, they were taking a lot of notes to a lot of things that we were telling them. Um, I mean, that was a good meeting. I'll, I'll tell you one thing that we did accomplish. Uh, well, a couple things. One, we did what everybody said couldn't be done. Everybody said that we couldn't get a group of people together to stand together in Washington, D.C. Well, I think we had a pretty good group of people stand together in Washington, D.C. Uh, we put on a good showing down there. It was professional. Uh, I had a couple different cops and uh, one of the Secret Service guys. Uh, and I think one of them was also a parks guy. Uh, all told me on Friday when I was talking with those kind of get people that, you know, this was the best protest that they've seen a lot of protests down there and this is the best one they've seen yet. Um, I mean, we put on, we put on a peaceful, professional and good showing for people. Now, the other thing that I want to really stress is the fact that the Sikhs, uh, I told, uh, Mintu. Reed's referring to small fleet and truck stop owner Mintu Pander, based in Wyoming. More from Pennsylvania-based owner-operator Mike Landis about some of his time in D.C. and a group of trucks Pander was part of later in that podcast. That, you know, you guys kind of had your own little protest here that wasn't even being protested. And, and I think that was bringing the cultural diversity between the truckers together. I know that I myself am uh, kind of uh, eating some crow because I myself didn't know the difference between a Sikh or, uh, you know, other kind of people that wear turbans, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm really ashamed of some of the things that I've said, lopping them all into one group and knowing that, uh, you know, these people are, these people are just amazing. I mean, they have great hearts. They're very, they're very knowledgeable. They're very well educated, and I mean, they work well together. I mean, they're great people. Uh, they fed us while we was down there on Thursday after the FMCSA meeting. Um, you know, uh, talking to a lot of them. The, I mean, their knowledge of our Constitution and our DOT regulations is just unreal. Honestly, they put they put a lot of us a lot of us uh, American bred boys to shame, I think, as far as the way they conducted themselves and their knowledge of the situation. I mean, they're just absolutely amazing people and they're great people and they have great hearts and, you know, they're, they're willing to work with people. So, you know, we stood with them down there together. Well, and I've already seen the ripple effects because, you know, I mean, I, I've seen where people refer, uh, you know, even on Facebook or uh, I even heard it at a uh, uh, dealership the other day. Somebody brought it up, and I didn't even get a chance to say anything. Somebody else said something that was at the protest. And, you know, people have made comments, well, what about them tallies? They just want to put, like, six guys in a truck. And, you know, I mean, people are attacking them. And, like, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know them people. We stood with those people, and we know them people. And, I mean, they were they were just taking the defense with them just like that and I mean it's just I think that I think that ripple effect will continue I mean I really do we broke the stereotype there and you know and don't get me wrong the, the Sikhs are they're, they're their own people uh, 
but they are they are great people, amazing people. We hauled. We went on that uh, run, a couple of days worth of runs uh, in in April. Uh, what's been going on with you uh, since then? I think? From December to June, we put twenty three about twenty three thousand dollars into my semi. Uh, on top of that, my wife was in a high risk pregnancy. We got to the point where she was going three, four, and five times a week to the doctor or the hospital for tests and checkups and whatnot. Uh, I was taking a week every month and going to DC to protest down there, or not protest, uh, advocate down there and knock on doors and go to meetings and that wasn't helping the situation. Uh, and then, you know, the protest coming up, I knew that was going to take a lot of time. We didn't know what the deal with my son was going to be. Was we going to end up in children's hospital with him? Uh, was he going to have issues? Um, was he going to come out smiling like he's looking at me right now? <laughs> uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't know what the situation was going to be. So I got offered a job to work at Volvo, uh, the dealers, truck dealership, which, I mean, kind of, in a way, kind of embarrassing when you've been a pack car guy and like your Penworth <laughs> and Peterbilt's, but, uh, you know, the job opportunity allowed me to be home with my wife to help take care of her and, you know, to be here in case I, I'd be close in case there was an issue with my son, you know, we'd still be able to have an income and still be able to go to uh, doctor's appointments and such and whatnot, or if he had to be hospitalized, you know, I, I would be close for that. I kind of look at it this way. God works in mysterious ways. I think God's kind of had a hand in looking out for me here. You know, just between everything, my ECM went out in June, the end of June there, and then my grandmother died on the 4th of July, and I was busy helping dealing with her estate, and that took a little time and financially just figured it'd be best at this junction to get out from underneath of my truck and the bills and everything because I wasn't going to be able to afford to pay him with all the fighting I had coming up and with my son being born. So uh, I believed in my cause more than I did the truck or else I guess I could have just stayed in the truck and maybe dealt with it. But I don't know. It's it's a toss up. It's hindsight at this point, but I just took what was given to me to work with at the time, and you know, it also kind of works out in a way too because now I can finally do the weight loss surgery. So you know, I just started going down that road, and next March I'll be able to have that surgery. And so honestly, I wouldn't be able to drive truck while that was going on. Um, especially after the surgery, because it takes a while to heal from that. So, you know, it's just uh, kind of going down to things happen for a reason, I guess. As noted earlier, I've talked since the ELD mandate protest to owner-operator Mike Landis, who spent much of his time there with a small contingent of power units occupying paid parking spots on Constitution Avenue between the White House, South Lawn, and the Washington Monument. Here's what he was up to a week later, under a load that picked up in New Jersey, bound for Georgia, when we talked. Uh, uh, right now I got a load of uh, 
vegetable oil on for uh, the Mars plant down there, M&M Mars. They use uh, you know, food grade stuff in a tanker. Is that, is that what you do most of the time or all the time? Yeah, I, uh, I was, well, I've done a little bit of everything over the years, but uh, in the last few years I went from flatbed to pulling LPL on a reefer and then uh, kind of got hooked up with doing this stuff here for a local company at home um, that uses us guys with our own authority and whatnot uh, on top of their company trucks also. And uh, kind of works out nice for me. I was kind of bound to a certain schedule with the reefer and the money was nice and everything, but I race motocross with the kids, so... Uh, kind of hindered me from from doing that and this year i can be around on the weekends go racing and whatnot it kind of varies the other week i was in california and then i come back and i think the most i did was go from hershey pa to reading pa for a couple days <laughs> so it's kind of it's kind of across the board sometimes you go past the house every day sometimes you're out for the week or whatever you know landis's principal hauler is a 1999 peterbilt cab over i got a great shot of it out on constitution avenue during the protests he bought it earlier this year to replace a 1988 362 he'd run before then. Uh, that one that you had take a picture of down here in D.C., that one I I just happened to stumble across back here around around July or so. Uh, old boy had it that ordered it from new, and he had retired the end of last year. It was, just, it was for sale, but he never advertised it or anything. It was just kind of set, and then I happened to find out about it. So I, I snapped it up because I guess I'm – a little crazy since I like running cab overs. I mean, the one I parked when I bought this was an 88 double bunk Peterbilt that I've had since I was 21. So I almost felt bad paying what I paid for it because compared to everything else, it's this year model and one of the way the, the older truck market has been going with, with these e-logs coming about it. I mean, I paid really good money for it considering it has a all but brand new uh, reman Detroit in it that he put in only had 12,000 miles on it. And uh, tranny's been done. Both rears have been done. Had a new radiator put in at the same time as a motor, whatever else. And I paid less for the truck than you can go buy that motor for. So I got I got lucky on it. That's for sure. I mean, he uh, he was 80 years old. The fellow I bought it from, and uh, he told me when I went to look at it, he goes, "I never polished it. I never waxed it." He said, "I'm too old for that crap." And it, and it looked that I had a, before I ever even trucked it, I sandblasted the frame, did some brake work, and I've completely resprung and rebushed and repinned the front end and, you know, just rebuilt the air conditioning system and had the paint buffed out and had it aluminum polished out and whatnot like that. So it, uh, you'd see pictures of it when I first got it. It's not quite as, quite as shiny as what it is now. It could be a little better, but it'll get there. Are you run, you're running in it now pretty exclusively? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's my uh, – I parked, parked my other one, my 88 I had, and, and I had actually bought a brand-new 07 in between when I started with the 88 and then sold that one back to the 88. and mm-hmm. Ran that in the last, I don't know, six years or so, and then I was kind of told myself if I found something that I liked, I'd get something a little bit newer, but I didn't want something new enough. I got – it worked out perfect with this truck, <laughs> with, right. with with the year of it, and then uh, the fact that it was a one owner, and and the guy never really even did anything to it. I mean, it was basically just the way he would have picked it up from the dealer. It still has the original tail lights and stuff on it, for crying out loud. Right.
My talk with the owner-operator then turned toward his involvement in the D.C. protests, and his narration of it is interesting in several ways. One, it gives you a little bit of insight into how and why some of those not a part of the organization of the effort got involved in the first place, and how the events proceeded from one trucker's point of view. And two, Landis' thoughts in a lot of ways echo Scott Reed's when it comes to what will be the perhaps principal outcomes of it on a personal level and uh, more broadly speaking as well. I started by asking Landis just how he did get involved. That that was a common question I got asked throughout that whole thing. Oh, oh what what group are you here with? And uh, right. I mean, I found out about it by by Art that started a big rig rendezvous page or whatever because I'm friends with him sure. on Facebook. Um, and uh, you know, I had heard about the operation Black and Blue and the ELD or me thing or whatever and. Uh, sure whatnot but um when when i heard they were coming to leesport for their meeting and then going to dc well shoot i live like 25 30 miles from leesport so as far as the trucker's concerned that's my backyard <laughs> right. and uh i said man you know i i want to go go check this out because uh it, it seemed like you know i've been doing this since i graduated high school pretty much so a thir- little over 13 years um that, seeing a few things like this that were tried in the past a strike or go to dc or whatever you want or whatever have you you know uh this seemed to have the most people on board with it across the board um so when i knew they were coming in to talk about it i wanted to go check it out so i basically just went as uh an american truck driver that knew that something needs to be done about this crap <laughs> and uh, i wanted to see what <clears throat> what they were doing what they had to say blah 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 you know whole nine yards that way sure. so i i didn't uh wasn't really with any particular group right. you know from the get-go or whatever and then i just kind of happened to meet meet people there and whatever else and kind of uh sure. kind of get a sense of who who people are you know when you're in a situation like that and uh yeah. whatnot plus i had friends with some of them on facebook anyway to begin with so i knew kind of knew who they were or whatever but uh landis noted the group in leesport pennsylvania were in part marking the occasion the start of the united motor carrier council an organization that would be committed to small motor carrier and independent driver interests ultimately which we talked a bit about in the last podcast he thinks of it in the context of new blood in the owner-operator advocacy realm, dominated, of course, for the last decades by the Owner-Operator Independent Drivers Association. And, and I'm not super involved with it. I mean, I was there the weekend right. and some of the things they had to say they were setting it up or whatever. But, uh, I mean, basically it was, like I said, it seemed like they, they want to do something kind of like that, but actually seemed like they're trying to get stuff done or, you know, want to try and get stuff done because some people feel that, I mean, not, not that they're not working on it. I don't want to take away from what they are. I mean, you do see them in court and stuff like that, but yep. maybe they're not doing it quite as hard as they should. The route to the Leesport Big Rig Rendezvous started with a convoy originating in Walcott, Iowa, at the Iowa 80 truck stop, picking folks up along the way toward Pennsylvania, where Landis joined the group at the show at the Redding County Fairgrounds. They were picking some other people up along the way. Yep. And, uh, you know, most, most of them guys that helped set that up don't even live anywhere near Pennsylvania. But, right, um, right. yeah, they started out there and called it the, you know, was it the Patriots Convoy or whatever coming in and right. and whatnot. And that was kind of supposed to be the start of, of the whole thing. And then, the, you know, they picked up 
and Foxfire jumped in out there around Lake Station and a few other guys on the way. And then Robbie came up. He was down in Cincinnati, I think, and he come up through and met him up up near uh, Youngstown or, or Girard or somewhere up in there. And that would be Michigan-based owner-operator Robbie Harris. Coming into Leesport, that was that. And then it was the thing at Leesport over the weekend to try and set it up. And they want to try and have like a little truck show or whatever and, yeah. and whatnot. And, and I, I was I mean, a little disappointed. I mean, uh, the area I come from is everyone knows the 717 Lancaster County across the country. And, and I, uh, I was the only guy there. There were, there was a couple local guys that have like their antique trucks that came in for the day, the one day or whatever. But as far as, uh, trucks that actually turn a buck up and down the road every day, I was the only one from our area there. It was a little disappointing to be honest. Wow. But, uh, you know, but there were a lot of people from how many folks would you, would you say were at that, uh, that's the big rig rendezvous show there. Um, oh, boy, I didn't even take a count. And I didn't hear, but I, I'd say off the top of my head, there's probably, I want to say there's probably 60, 70 trucks there at least, maybe. Right. I mean, it, it was a pretty, it's a decent size little area. I'll be honest, I lived around here my entire life. I never even knew that was there, that little fairgrounds that they were at. Fairgrounds, yeah. uh, when they first said they were coming to Leesport, I was like, where are they going to do this in Leesport? <laughs> but, um, yeah, it it was you know they had them they had them packed in there. There was a decent amount of trucks there, considering. Yeah. I mean, we probably could have tripled that number easily if all if half the people from around the area would have would have came over. Or whatever, Our, you know, that area where I live is huge, huge sure. for especially you know independent owner operators. Basically, are real small truck fleets. I mean, it's just man, we were just booming in my area there with, with that kind of stuff. And there's, there's the type of guys that have everything to lose by the e-log thing. So I was a little surprised that none of them really cared to, uh, you know, look into it. I, mean, I don't know that it was real widely advertised either, but a bunch of people knew that, knew that I was going. After the Leesport event, those who were going to D.C. restaged in Hagerstown, Maryland, with others associated with Operation Black and Blue. And on Tuesday, October 3rd, kicked off their events with a bobtail convoy into D.C. with between 40 and 50 trucks. Yeah, yeah, Tuesday we went down there from Hagerstown. Um, and that, that whole deal was a bit of a bit of a fiasco in the beginning. Just a little, little bit of confusion. Not everyone was always on the same page or whatever. And, you know, there's been a, had about, I've had a week to reflect on some, on some of this stuff here. And, uh, right. There, there is, I get some of it, you know, whatever. And like I said, I, I didn't really know the plan myself because I was just a dude that knew that this needs, something needs to happen. And right. I'm coming along to try, you know, because these sure. guys got this thing put together. And, you know, there were some people a little frosty with some people over the whole deal because they didn't tell everyone the whole plan and yada, right. yada, yada, which, you know, whatever. I mean, it is what it is. It was just, a, it was impressive enough that that many people actually came together to go down there. I mean, you can't get sure. 10 truck drivers to agree on anything normally <laughs> and, uh, and whatnot. I mean, I've noticed there's been a lot of, a lot of haters since we were down there last week that want to talk about, there wasn't as many trucks as they said, and this and that, and the other thing and whatever else, right. most of them people, most of them people weren't there either. But I mean, it, to me, it was impressive. They got as many truck people to go down there as what, you know, as what they did, oh, yeah. you know, and yeah, it seems off and on there were, you know, t from what I could tell, there were, there were pretty consistently when 
you know, once the uh, that that convoy the first Tuesday was over, and um, you guys came in and you sort of staged uh, overnight in some of the paid parking spaces around different parts of the capital. It seemed to me there were at least uh, you know thirty. 30, 40 trucks at most times. Uh, and then I think the last day, uh, one of our editors got a count of like 30 when they were uh, on Constitution Avenue after uh, okay. some of you guys had taken off back to the house. But yeah, I mean, that is an impressive uh, showing. And, and there was a sort of certain kind of truck show atmosphere about a lot of it, you know, not down there by the DOT uh, when they were when they were at the DOT headquarters, but uh, certainly on Constitution Avenue uh, with all the tourists around. Well, yeah, exactly. And that was, uh, you know, as I told you when we were down there talking the other day or whatever, that was kind of, um, you know, we, we didn't really, the little group that I ended up splitting off with, um, you know, we ended up over on Constitution basically the whole time we were there. Now, we did come down to the FMCSA building on Wednesday morning okay. um, during a time where we weren't really supposed to be parked on the side of Constitution as because as, uh, of rush hour or whatever, so we decided no to come down there. Yeah, and, uh, you know, let them know that, hey, you think there's trucks here now, there's more trucks here too. Um, but the whole, the way that even got started was is we ended up, when we went down there on Tuesday for the convoy, somehow the front part of the convoy, they must have been cruising right along, and, and we got some cars in between us, and they wouldn't go through the red lights that the cops were stopping other traffic okay. for so we could keep going and we ended up some of us ended up doing two half loops compared to what we did because we weren't we didn't know where they went <laughs> uh yeah. you know got separated and didn't know where they went and and i took notice that you know they did have a a permit for lips park which was i guess just a ruse for whatever like i said i wasn't involved i don't really pay attention to all their plans they had going on but uh um and we kind of took notice that that might not be a bad place to park because it's on the back side of the White House. It's next to the monument. There's a lot of foot traffic, uh, not just tourists. But there's a lot of foot traffic from people that, that work in the city there and either bicycling back sure. to where they live or whatever else, you know. And and uh, so on the way out of town, it was rush hour. And, and we had been up since that morning. And I didn't, we didn't eat anything. I mean, I had like a pack of Tasty Cakes or something before we left Hagerstown. Yeah. And then it just... The day it drug on that day, everything just took forever, which is fine. But we had good reception, so we all kind of decided we were coming back. Cause myself, Robbie, Mike, and them guys, we weren't sure how long we were going down there for. I said, I'm at least going for the first time and see how this thing goes and see what kind of reception we get. Or you know, we may end up in jail. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> it went good, so we decided to go back. But I was starving, so I called Robbie and I said, Dude, I said, there's a. They're all going back to Hagerstown. We're in rush hour traffic coming back out to 495. I said, there's a, there's a Red Lobster up here off the exit right where we got off 495. I deliver right right where we got off the end of the city. There's a Pepsi plant I deliver here into. And um, okay. I said, we go up here to this, this Red Lobster. I said, get something to eat or whatever. And he's like, yeah, okay. So then he said something to Mike. And then Art and his buddy uh, Robert jumped in. And Next, you know, Mintu's coming, and and Paul, and and Lori, and Scott, <laughs> a couple of us. We all said, "Yeah, we're hungry. Let's go to this." You know, we had we had all the trucks parked on the service road out in front of the Red Lobster, and we went in there, and yeah, we had like 12, 12 14 people all together. Cause some of the people in cars came also, um, and uh, we were talking about it. And I'm like, I, I don't know that I want to drive the whole way back to Hagerstown to leave there. Their their plan was to leave at two o'clock 
Wednesday morning, come down and take up all parking spots at FMCSA building. And uh, and we were talking about it, and I was like, well, I said, the problem is they don't get going in time like they did this morning. (laughs) They're going to be in rush hour traffic coming into the city in the morning. I said, I don't want to do that. I don't like doing that when I'm getting paid to do it. Um, And they're like, yeah. So the guy at Red Lobster said we could actually stay in our parking lot out back. No one would bother us. So the 10 of us parked out back there and... That group at the Red Lobster there made a plan to divert from a day's worth of parking at FCSA headquarters, an action intended in some ways to irritate the agency into talking with the group, but was successful at least in that. Here's how Landis describes their thinking. Well, what if we go over here and um, just park on the side of the street, open the trucks up, put signs out that we have. I said, you know people are going to want to know why they're why we're there. It's not an average street to have trucks parked on. <laughs> um, and just tell people why we're there and what's going on and, you know, let little kids sit in the trucks or anyone if they want to check them out or whatever. And and show, show people that we're not all big, stinky, ugly truck drivers. We're where moms and dads and, you know, grandpas or aunts and uncles or brothers or what, you know what I mean? And, uh, we're just average people out and this is how we support our family. And everyone kind of thought it was a good idea. And, you know, um, Scott that was with us told them guys, they're like, yeah, you know, it's not a bad idea. All right. Uh, you know, I said, cause the other thing was too, is FMCSA buildings like on the outskirts of town. There ain't a whole lot of traffic there unless someone's going, Great, to the Transportation Museum or whatever, because it's around the corner from that. Um, I said, so we got some trucks there. We got some trucks over here. I said, maybe it'll raise some attention than everyone being in the same spot, um, sure. which was another problem. We got no media attention at all, hardly. Say there was, <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, just people posting stuff on Facebook, and and not everyone was maybe the most professional in what, what they were doing down there, which was another reason why we kind of, I don't want to say went off on our own, but decided to go on that side of town and just, you know, do it from over there, try and let people know why we're there or whatever, too. Didn't agree with the way everyone was acting over there, which, I mean, you know, whatever. It is what it is. Not everyone's going to – not everyone's the same, you know what I mean? And yeah. and every group – not every group's going to have someone when there's that many people together that maybe someone else don't like or someone don't agree with or whatever, but uh, – yeah. And, you know, the thing was, as much as maybe we didn't like some of the actions or whatever else, the thing is, is as we were talking about it over there, they were all there, at least, helping fight, fight and support and whatever else. And, you know, um, it is what it is. I can I can look past past some of that stuff, and and also you're there to protest. So I mean, I guess if you're going to get a little rowdy every now and then, I mean, we must not have been too rowdy because no one ended up in jail. (laughs) uh you know and and we were told that by the cops too i mean it was they everyone down there was really cool with us uh it was it was kind of refreshing actually i mean the cops expected us to go out and block up traffic all day long through the city and whatnot and we told them we were just going to sit there and tell people why we're there they were like that's it (laughs) okay yeah (laughs) we had a few instances um you know where where we had a run-in with some of them down there that started off not pleasant <laughs> mm-hmm. and then once you kind of talk to them or whatever you know because all of us down there i mean I, su- I support law enforcement and everything else i mean yeah they have bad apples in them you know we have bad apples in the trucking community too 
Um, but, uh, you know, you, you treat them with respect, you stick your hand out, you shake their hand, introduce yourself, blah, blah, whatever, you know, we, and, and usually it worked out just fine. I mean, for example, both days we, we wanted to stay parked there during rush hour at the end of the day. Um, that first morning, you know, we said, Hey, we'll go down to the FMCSA building and, and hang out with those guys until we're allowed to come back. You know, and I asked a guy, I said, can we come back a little early so we can get parking spots? And he said, yeah, well, that guy came down and escorted us back to make sure we got back before other cars started parking there. I mean, that's how cool yeah. they were with us. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, um, sure. so, and uh, but then that afternoon, and he even told us, he said, you guys are here protesting. He said, they're going to give you a ticket for being parked here. And we're like, well, we don't really care about getting a parking ticket. You know what I mean? We're just kind of here to do our thing and whatever else. And he said, yeah, that's fine. Well, come that afternoon, I think it's four to six thirty. You can't be parked there in the afternoon time. About a couple minutes after four, when motorcycle cops come riding down the sidewalk mm-hmm. on his intercom, telling us we got two minutes to move our trucks, he's writing us hundred dollar tickets whatever we all just sat on the benches <laughs> well i think he took notice and he got a little a little irritated and he was like you have 30 seconds of your truck so i'm writing you a hundred dollar ticket every five minutes and i was like whoa that could get a little expensive <laughs> yeah. uh so i went over and talked to him i mean he he was i don't want to say being a super trooper he ended up being a really cool dude but i mean he was he meant business And I went over and I said, hey, look, you know, I understand you want us to move these trucks or whatever. But at that time, Mike Jellison and Mick, too, were still down at the Capitol building going door to door. And I said, hey, um, look, there's two guys here that have two trucks that aren't even here. They're down at the Capitol building in in meetings and, and stuff like that right now. I said, well, we're not moving our trucks and leaving our two trucks sit here. And he looks at me and he goes, what the hell are you even doing here? He didn't know why we were there. Okay. He didn't bother to ask you. So, <laughs> yeah. So I explained it to him. And as soon as I got done explaining it to him why we're there, what we're doing, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and that, you know, these e-logs could potentially create trucks actually being parked on the side of streets like this for their 10-hour break. He he opened up the saddlebag to his Harley and threw his ticket book in and said, never mind, you guys are fine. You can stay put. And then he sat there and talked to us for about a half an hour super cool guy um right, right. And that, that's that's how they were once you told him well i mean he must have just thought we were a bunch of trucks just parked on the side of the road at first i don't know <laughs> the way things started down there with some people it was a little bit like you know whatever and and that was what kind of made one of the things that we decided hey we're gonna go across town and just try and you know get ourselves spread out get people knowing why we're here show that we yeah. can all be you know normal professional people whatever um, and, and, you know, the thing is, there's been a lot of flack on some of those other guys and I'm sure everyone's going to know who I'm talking about over this week, but I can't, I cannot sit here and take anything away from those guys because they sure. got the whole thing started. And if it wasn't for them getting the whole thing started, I may not have gone either. You know what I mean? I mean who, who would have, yeah. would have anyone even come together to go? Yeah. Um, and, and the thing is, is everyone that was there was there because they're passionate about this industry and what we do and people show that in different ways sometimes i mean hey i i'll be the first to admit when i get a little wound up and my other half will tell you this too things come out of my mouth that i probably wouldn't say if i'd sit back and think about it for a half a second (laughs) um so uh it just 
a lot of that kind of stuff was what people were seeing because she even called me when we were down there. She's like, what are you guys doing? I'm like, what? She's like, the only thing I can find on this, she said, is a bunch of people kind of acting like idiots. I was mm-hmm. like, well, you know, I said, well, I mean, you know, they're, they're wound up. This is, we're at a crossroads here pretty much. Mm-hmm. And uh, everyone's kind of taking a little different, but as things went on, that kind of stuff kind of died down. You know what I mean? Died down. Um, and as the week, together, as the week was, went on, you know, people, people seemed to, uh, yeah, they kind of lost kinda. that. Yeah, they lost that uh, big uh, ego edge. I guess I don't know how I really want to say it, but it was they just kind of calmed down a little bit. <laughs> people, people weren't as wound up. And, and I'm gonna tell you, um, it's easy to get wound up and and start getting that way down there. Um, I did for a short minute too over some stuff because it, it was a extremely powerful experience as far I mean it was just kind of emotional in certain ways and whatever else and and like when you're there and you're thinking the whole time and tell explaining to people how this is basically going to either put you out of business or you know in, in my instance I basically told them I said if I have to run an e-log doing what I do that means I'm either a not going to be home to take my kids racing or b not make enough money to do it anyway mm-hmm. and that's what we do as a family uh, when you start thinking about stuff like that, it, it becomes, it was, I'll never be a part of something like that again in my life. I'm pretty sure of it. It was, it was an experience that is hard to put into words, uh, at certain times. Um, and then, and, and then you're, you're, in, got, I mean, uh, and you're in the, you're in the nation's capital, uh, in a strange place that is familiar at the same time, right? Like, and, and, it, uh, it is yeah, exactly. And you're, yeah, and you're, having you're on, you're on ground. Yeah, you're on ground that, you know, you're there fighting for something that the people that gave you the right to do that did it there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you're looking at the Washington Monument and, you know, you're seeing the, the president's helicopter flew over us a couple of times while we were there. It, it It is just a very, you know, the one road we always took in to come into town as you come out to one bridge and up over and I have a picture of it coming right up over top of Robbie's bunk when we were coming in the one day or whatever. You see the Capitol mm-hmm. building, a big rounded top, and mm-hmm. it's just, it, it's over, a little overwhelming a little bit, and it just, it does, it gives you a sense of, I don't even know what word to use to describe it, um, but it, it gets you a little a little pumped up in ways, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, whatnot, and then, and then you have the other things, like, and I didn't even know this was happening until it happened, but uh, all the Sikh Indians showed up and that was an eye-opening experience uh you know there was a few well almost everyone i talked to felt the same way but i mean me and robbie are pretty close to the same age which i think we were probably some of the youngest ones there but uh and i told him i grew up with 9-11 uh you know when i was in high school and i've always been pretty close-minded about anyone that wears a turban or looks anything remotely like the terrorists do (laughs) I've never really been ashamed to say that, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I've always basically told people, hey, I'm not really racist or anything like that about anybody, but I don't like I don't like that. You know what I mean? Sure. And uh, <clears throat> I've had plenty of people tell me, oh, no, they're, no, they're not all that way. You got the Sikhs. Or, I've heard that name before or whatever. So they're, they're, they're 
good people. They're peaceful people. They're they're really nice people. And I'm like, I don't care. That's not mm-hmm. what you know. When I drive down the road and I see sandals on the back of a trailer and a turban on someone's head, I automatically just go to what I think. And um, man, when they showed up and they started wanting to shake our hands and thank us for work, for being there and this that and the other thing, and then you started seeing how many of them showed up compared to a lot of owner, lot of owner operators and drivers among them yeah no doubt, no doubt. yeah it, it was i mean they, i i would say it was probably a uh four to one number that they outnumbered us what what we kind of dubbed ourselves as the uh proud loudmouth badass americans that like to say how great we are and everything else that didn't show up uh after a lot of them said they would i said then here you have these people who know a lot of people look down on them just because of how they're dressing or how they look and they show up and they're thanking us for being there with our trucks. Right. It was a little, uh, it, it was a little bit of an eye. Well, it was a lot of bit of an eye opener. <laughs> um, yeah, and you know, humbling in a us, certain way, I imagine. It was, it was extremely humbling. And, uh, you know, they come around with a van and they were ditching us, you know, they had, big foiled thing stacked up with their food and, and they were feeding us and they wouldn't take no for an answer. Sure. You know what I mean? And uh, it really, me and, me and Robbie talked about it and uh, it was like, man, I really feel like a piece of crap for acting or feeling or saying the things that I've said over the years about these people because they are not the same as the people that we don't want to like. <laughs> Uh, not not even not even close. I mean, I'm sure they had their bad apples too, but it was um, really made you think a little bit. It really did. It, t- it took it took me back, you know, when I really got a chance while we were still down there. Actually, I just sat on the bench looking at the monument the last day that we were there, and it was like, man, okay, what a what an experience and what a, what an eye opener. And uh, I'll, I'll never I'll never feel the same way about about them again. Um, I'd, I'd defend them with everything I got if I have to. <laughs> <laughs>